Hi there, and welcome to the Third Impact Anime Podcast, where we talk about anime, video games, and conventions, with a healthy amount of existential dread mixed in. You can find out more about our podcast by following us on Twitter, at T-I underscore anime. Or just like us on Facebook to not see our posts, because that's just how it is now. Thanks again for stopping by, and enjoy the show! We are back with the next segment for the this episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. Before we continue, though, I want to remind everyone: feel free to you know g- uh, give us questions on Twitter or Facebook, either whatever social media paradigm works for you. Feel free to ask us questions for the podcast or you know personal questions in general, uh, social security numbers, that kind of information. We are more than glad to give that out to anybody. Yes, one hundred percent. Show yes. up at my doorstep in the middle of the night, even. As long nice. as you bring food. Yeah. <laughs> Cheez-Its especially. Cheez-Its especially. <laughs> I'm the Cheez-Its troll. <laughs> and where can people do that, Tobias? They can do that uh, on Facebook, if that is your preferred medium. Uh, we are on there as just Third Impact Anime. Find us there, like us, and interact with us uh, in that manner. And at Twitter, at, at TI underscore anime. Uh, I don't know if we have a Tumblr that works or is checked. Nah. Nope, not at all. If you're on Tumblr, you should stop. And like <laughs> Austin's blog instead, because he does a lot of really cool stuff there. Uh, it's bebopshock.tumblr.com, but it's not really official in any capacity. Uh, likewise, uh, if you want to listen to more of this podcast or wonder how you were listening to this in the first place, you can <laughs> check us out at uh, Third Impact. Is it Third Impact Anime Podcast? Not yes. Put- Okay, so Third Impact Anime Podcast.podbean.com. Uh, likewise, you can find a link on our main site. That's just thirdimpactanime.wordpress.com. I'm sure there's a lot of dot coms in these email addresses, <laughs> but you know how it is. But likewise, you should be able to rate our podcast on Google Play and iTunes, which of course is always appreciated. Uh, you know, this podcast again sponsored by Blue Apron. Thank you guys for subscribing. <laughs> uh, Blue Apron is going to come to our door and kill us we can't put that in <laughs> i would more than i would be happy with them coming to my door and giving them fresh food every month you know in a box <laughs> with fresh meals and, yeah I, uh, it just take under 45 minutes did you know that <laughs> <laughs> now they'll never sponsor us thanks tobias um, if, I, if we're getting sponsored by anyone i want a neon d sponsorship We'll, yeah. we'll have Comfortable, to breathable. You'll wear them every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we'll, 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 hopefully one day you will get sponsored, but that today is not this day. What is this day is the spring review, uh, which we'll be doing now. So we're watching actually a lot of shows this season. Uh, there were a lot of good stuff last season, but there's a lot of more notable titles, I think, feel like. And there's a lot more... Uh, a wider variety of interesting titles. I think everyone would kind of agree with that. So we've got several ones we want to at least touch upon today. Let's go ahead and start off with, I think one of the first things that came out this season was Uma Musume. <laughs> 
Oh, no, don't be that way. That's a good show. You're right. Narita Bryan is my best friend. <laughs> Narita Bryan. Me too, man. <laughs> so, so um, Karina, tell, us a little about, tell us a little bit about Special Week. Um, so Special Week um, is my bias. No, okay, hold on. Let's back up. So anyway, um, let's talk about what the show is about. So we have these girls, and they are descended from purebred racehorses. They have to run in horse races in order to perform as idols. So this show appeals to a very, 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 very niche market. Um, AKA and I would, all anime fans. No, no, no. I would like to think furries, idol enthusiasts, and the other one is to be determined. <laughs> Okay, my caveat is that I am neither of those things, yet I really enjoy this show. Okay, that's valid, and I feel the exact same way. Um, but then again, I did, like, come in from work at 1 a.m., turn this on with my roommates, and mildly disassociated. So maybe <laughs> that's why I enjoyed it so much. Um, but it's really fun, and I'm mad because all of their, like, idol outfits are really cute. Um, I still have only seen the first episode because that was kind of enough for me. Yeah. But I, I still want to finish it because it's just so absurd. Like, to me, it's the most anime anime I've ever watched. I would completely agree with that in, in many ways. Yeah. Um, and to add an extra layer to that, it is also the most anime anime ever because it is also based on a mobile game. Oh, oh yeah, those good old mobile games. Wow, that's a real shocker. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, this show is uh, the full title is Uma Musume Pretty Derby, and I'm like, yeah, Pretty Derby pretty much sums it up pretty well. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's actually done by Studio PA Works, uh, which everybody probably has seen a PA Works show, maybe not knowing it if they've been watching anime in the last like. Uh, 20 years or so, I guess. No, wait, excuse me. Eight years. That's too long. <laughs> um, yeah, because they started making stuff regularly in, like, 2010 and stuff like that. They made, like, Angel Beats and Another and Shirabako and The Eccentric Family and a bunch of stuff like that. Um, it's actually being directed by a gentleman named Kei Oikawa, who is, who is also directing Hina Matsuri this season. Uh, so he's, he's a busy, busy dude. Um, and I think, Tobias, you're going to talk about Hino Matsuri a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And he's worked on some other stuff, like, a little bit. Um, not worked on a whole lot of stuff, but he's worked on, like, Azumagadayo and The Art Club Has a Problem and My Teen Romantic Comedy Snafu and some things like that. But um, in terms of the plot, yeah, Tori pretty much summed it up. Um, but it's actually, it's a really pretty show. It's very well done. Absolutely. And, um, the uh, main character, Special Week, um, who all of the characters are named after um, famous racehorses, like the ones that they are like canonically descended from. And um, so Special Week is our main character, and she's um, her uh, her dad. I don't think they ever mentioned, but she is an orphan uh, whose mom passed away, and she was raised by her aunt, who sort of trained her. Uh, and inspired her to want to be like a really successful um, racehorse girl, I guess. And it it sounds weird when you say it, but just imagine that it's like any other normal sports anime, and just try and think of it that way. Um, because <laughs> there 
their horsiness is kind of irrelevant other than like their character designs. They basically run, they basically run track and that's what they do. Um, but uh, there's also that weird idol angle to it, which uh, Sarah, have you seen the show yet? I haven't. The horse thing kind of weirds me out. I'm not going to lie. No, that's, <laughs> Even that's, I have my limits. That's totally fair. Like I get that. <laughs> that makes sense. It's weird. But uh <laughs> their reward for being good racehorses is that they get the chance to perform on stage as idols. And I'm just God. like, both high, both why and why, like why? It's like when you say it out loud to another person, you're like, God, I feel like a freak, but then you watch it and it's just like, Hmm, this is good. It's so like energetic and fun. And like all of these girls are like, they're all competing against each other, but they all are like, friends at the same time like there's no like silly rivalries that have come up yet so it, oh, it's just i live really... for that man <laughs> but um <laughs> it's it's just infectiously enjoyable like it has this energy about it that that just really fun and it's fun to watch and the idol songs are pretty good too so yeah no, I, I was i had fun watching the first episode and i could see it going places uh possibly but yeah like you said pretty pretty enjoyable itself uh andrew did a... you want to butt in yes I have a question. Well, it's two questions, and don't answer the first one until okay. I've asked the second one. Okay. okay. Are there hands and feet hooves? <laughs> Follow-up question. <laughs> How do they hold a microphone because they're idols if their hands no, are hooves? No, 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 no. Their hands and feet are not hooves. They um realized how weird people were going to be with the show i'm sure and they they made them human but they have ears a tail and they can run really fast i am and they actually do touch upon this a little bit <laughs> and, if, and there's one part in the first episode where she's talking on a phone and she actually holds the phone up to like her her horse ear and i thought it was a nice little <gasps> thank like, goodness, they, 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 thank goodness. Yeah, like, they actually remember that part <laughs> Good, because no one ever seems to remember that. Yeah, I, I have so many questions that <laughs> yeah. I cannot but ask then, the of this podcast. But you then should, you, you, just have, <laughs> you have to think, are their legs one big finger or do they have human legs? Tori, I don't, places. I don't, yeah. that's not... <laughs> I don't. I don't think you've properly explained to the group that horse legs are actually fingers, but I don't think we have time. <laughs> no, yeah. we'll never have the time. Excuse me. Just, <laughs> anyway, just, moving just, on. Anyone, anyone out there who's curious about horse anatomy, just look it up. Yeah. Not, not on Pixiv. Not on Pixiv. No, not on Pixiv. Absolutely. <laughs> no, okay. So moving right along then into another sort of uh, cute girly anime, uh, Cutie Honey Universe. All right, so uh, I think Tori and I are the only ones that have uh, dipped our toe into this one. Anybody else checked out Cutie Honey Universe yet? I unfortunately am not. No, but I have a question. Yes. Um, before you get into your review, could you kind of 
is it similar in the vein of like the older Kitty Honey series, or does it go a different path? So I um, recently, sort of uh, in preparation for Cutie Honey Universe coming out, and this whole like Go Nagai fever and stuff with uh, Devilman Crybaby coming out and sort of getting his name back out there in people's popular consciousness. And I've been watching a couple of Mazinger Z related stuff. So I thought I'll just go and read the original Cutie Honey manga because it's only like two volumes long. So I thought I can get through this in like an like half an hour. And I did. And it is by far the worst Cutie Honey thing I have personally consumed. Um, it was one of Gona Guy's really early works and it shows cause it's very like, you know, me being a, being like a Gynax trigger fan, like my favorite cutie honey iteration is re cutie honey. And I think a lot of what makes that really good is the, is like the, the really cool concept come up that was, you know, invented by Gona Guy with the world building and the characters and all that stuff. But with the sort of, uh, the touches of Ano and Imaishi that are in uh, Re-Cutie Honey. I think that that's what made me like that so much. Um, but the original manga is very, very voyeuristic and very exploitative, I think. Um, and if you read it, you'll, you'll see in some of the character interactions and some of the things that happen to the characters why I think that that is. And unfortunately, Cutie Honey Universe sort of feels like it's adapting some of those elements of the original manga that I think don't hold up very well in 2018. Like there, it has a very different value system that just is kind of just kind of weird and gross nowadays. That's I not to say that cutie honey universe is all bad. I think it has some good elements, but it has, it also has unfortunately those pieces that you can't ignore. I, I really want to see maybe when all is said and done, people compare Unit Universe to Devilman Crybaby, both mm. being the guy works and like I, I think we all speak for you know the uh, guy saying that he was definitely like horny on main for sure, that, which is something 100%. a lot of people forget until you go through because both are very like you said very very voyeuristic, uh, you know very explicit, but I think you know Crybaby was really good in what he did, and I'm not getting the same vibes out of universe but maybe that'll change that's literally what i was just about to say like watching the first episode of this like we all know that like crybaby is like to the max with like sexual and explicit content but now that i have seen the like cute honey universe like it doesn't work in the same way it just made me completely uncomfortable the entire time um like my my only positive takeaway from cutie honey was just like oh that's a good theme song oh i recognize a lot of voice actresses in this show cool um but the whole the whole aspect of her like oh you know we're gonna whip our main character and every time she's gonna like take a big large loud moan and then her clothes are gonna fly off it just felt really like demeaning and uncomfortable and not okay and then i was talking to austin about this earlier and i was just like well you know it's weird and he was saying that kill a kill kind of had the whole like nudity is power type thing but it felt so much stronger coming from kill a kill versus this 
And I think Kill a Kill and things like that and, and Recute and uh, Recutie Honey even before that are sort of like mm-hmm. they're taking the trappings of the original ideas of Cutie Honey and sort of yeah. flipping them on their head and and making, you know, Honey more powerful because of the way that she uses her assets, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, just in 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 the new one, it, it's just not it's not the same. Like they're not taking the same ways to sort of bring it up to the modern uh, mindset and that's that's kind of what we really need and we're not right. getting that and I think the mm. the other thing that left a really bad taste in my mouth was the fact that these these are high school girls correct yeah they are like under 18 and then at the very end she walks in on her friend like very explicitly tied up and you said by her teacher mm-hmm. and it's just weird considering the whole like Kenshin thing going on right now it's just I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, and in the other two, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, Tobias. Just real quick. Um, but in the other two adaptations of Cutie Honey that I like, which is New Cutie Honey from the '90s and Re Cutie Honey, in both of those iterations, Honey is not a high schooler, so it feels mm-hmm. a lot. It feels a lot less just dirty, dirty, gross. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably alone in saying the best Cutie Honey adaptation is the live action movie. I still haven't seen it, so I can't say. I'm, uh, it's it's I'm goofy awful. as hell. Goofy as hell. Uh, Bill, do you want to butt in? Yeah, I, I'm, I haven't watched the new Kitty Honey yet. But I'm sorry to hear that it's very exploitative. That's a real bummer, because the reason why I like uh, the Gynax Kitty Honey is, one, while there's still nudity, it's very absurd. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all about tone when it comes to that type of material mm-hmm. where Definitely. it's where because of its absurdity tone and because of she was older aged, it didn't feel exploitative and kind of gross. Whereas what you're saying, Tori just makes me think they, they just secretly wanted to make a hentai, but didn't want to, didn't want to, didn't get the right holder to say, you can go ahead and do that. For sure. That's, yeah. that's almost exactly how the original manga plays out. Like that's what it feels Ooh. like. Yeah. Um, but let me let me let me do add an, add a caveat to the whole thing just real quick. Um, most of these criticisms that I have and Tori have come from just the first episode. The second episode has a lot more. It it's it moves itself away from a lot of that content. So I, I hope mm-hmm. that that is sort of a, a stepping stone in the right direction. How, you know, maybe they're going to put some of these scenes in the early beginning of the show just to quote unquote, like pay homage to the manga and then maybe move past it into a more constructive direction. Cause I think the show is supposed to be pretty long. I mean, that's what I hope for. I'm kind of doubtful because they've already put it in the show, mm-hmm. but I guess, I guess we'll see where it goes. But, um, the uh, the opening and the ending are both really good, even though they're not the original Cutie Honey song. Um, but uh, right, yeah, like I, lo- I love that I love that original theme, but the the new song is still pretty good. So, well, that's cool. I'm yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about Cutie Honey. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about another uh, really popular show that's been on most people's minds for the past couple of years, uh, Boku no My Little Witch Hero Academia. Yeah, I think uh, is me and Andrew have watched that. I don't think anyone else has caught up. 
I'm I'm trying to get through the first and second season so that way I can get on the third season train. Yeah, I've kind of like this kind of casually been watching it, but I really made a push with the new season to catch up and blaze through most of season two and in one weekend. And you know, for just being this generic, uh, just generic shonen series, I'm really enjoying it. I haven't really sat down and watched a shonen uh, long form since Naruto way back in the day. Uh, but you know, I, I feel like the animation's really, really up there, really awesome. It's not this you know, Studio Pro levels of bad. Uh, Studio Bones working on this, and there are definitely some scenes in the second season that are just really amazing, really well animated. It oh, yeah. caught everyone's attention, you know, allowing it to sweep the anime awards that Crunchyroll did just a few months back. And uh, yeah, so the new season just came out. We're three episodes in. Uh, I've watched all three. Yes. Uh, what about you? What do you what do you guys have to think about it? I've seen all three. Um, uh, I don't know. It's it 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 very much feels like these three episodes are are all three setup episodes. Um, yeah. Because like they know they're smart. They know that the show is popular and they can go as slow as they want to. The first episode. Uh, I wrote about this in my review, which you can find at the WordPress page. Please drop a like, please. Uh, but um, <laughs> so, like the first episode, I talked about that a little bit in my review uh, on the website. But uh, it, it it it's very much that classic shonen recap filler episode, though it does include like you know a fun uh, like fun bit at the at the school pool uh, yeah. during the summer when they like turned their trip to the pool into like this big training session and like before they get to like a big race between like uh, the all like the best swimmers in the class uh eraser head is that his name yeah eraser head eraser head comes in and is just like you guys stop this is stupid. You're out of time. <laughs> this is a trope and, used in every other shonen shows. Please. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then, like the next episode, uh, they go to the camp. They go to their summer camp to do training, and then they come back uh, in the third episode, and then the camp, and they have to deal with various things. I don't want to talk about too many spoilers unless anybody hasn't seen it. But yeah. um, and it's pretty like you said. It's a setup to what they were doing with the end of last season. Just getting yeah. this new arc set up. Yes. Yeah. All of it's all of it's very much set up, and I cannot wait to I cannot wait until the season gets rolling because you know when this show gets yeah. those that have seen it when it gets rolling it's 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 yes. really really good. It is very hard to put down, and I'm sad that I'm gonna have to wait week to week now to watch this. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, season three introduces this new idol group, the Pussycats. Uh, yes. Sarah, that's sort of your wellhouse. So why don't you talk about that? Um, well, they're more just like a superhero group in general. Um, yeah. They kind of are more like Sentai-ish, but they all have really frilly skirts. Even the super buff guy, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to season three. This arc is probably my favorite so far. Um, and yeah, uh, continuing all the good character stuff happening with our main heroes and... Cool. So, if you already read ahead of the manga, then? Um. Yeah. I'm technically behind where it is right now, but I'm definitely further than the anime. I try to stay ahead of it a bit, right? Because I do prefer the manga just a little bit. Although okay. the anime does have some really great moments. 
what, what would you when you comparing the, the like the two? What would you say are the strengths of the manga? Um, I mean, I just feel like the manga and the anime have different ways of showing the fights and the fluidity of them. Not to say that the anime does it poorly, but it's just different ways of staging it. And okay. I just prefer reading it personally, but. Yeah, I mean, I've been following it very casually, just kind of, you know, it's, it's the new thing in the discourse. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind going back and checking out the manga if it's really worthwhile. I just wanted to to, to butt in real quick. Um, just like a brief question, because I, I'm interested, like, are you watching the, the sub or the dub? Both of you. Um, Sub usually, but I've also bought the series and watched the dub. Mm. Um. Also, I know that isn't it going to be on Toonami pretty soon, or did it yes. that already happen? Yeah, yeah. They, they just yes. announced that that'll be airing from from the beginning of the show. It'll take the uh, either eleven thirty or midnight time slot. Uh, it's going like to be at eleven thirty. Eleven thirty, right before uh, original FLCL. So, and that goes from I don't know when it's airing, but it's be from beginning to. Uh, I'm guessing it'll catch up with the third season. They yeah, might, they might air it like the first season and then wait a little bit and then air the second season so they can have time to make sure that the rest of the third season comes out so they can show it in like a year or so. Yeah. No less exciting. Uh, as for myself, I'm watching it sub for the most part. I did catch a couple episodes with you with Dub, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I just I'm just more of a sub guy in general, and once you, mm-hmm. I think no matter which version you listen to in any anime, yeah. when you're used to those voices, you don't really prefer switching over. Yeah, I'm just yeah, kind of used mean, to the Japanese voices. Yeah, I get that completely. Uh, I just got hooked on the dub because it's a funny dub, and yeah. sorry, Funimation dub, not a funny <laughs> dub. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Hilarious, but so like yeah, and uh, and I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, the dub, you know, Bones is one of my favorite studios because they made Oran High School Hus Club, uh, <laughs> and I love that show. So, really excited for for what's to come. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, moving into the next anime for the season, Golden Kamui. Something a little near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've written reviews of the manga, volume, first volume of the manga, as well as the first episode of the anime on the WordPress as well. Uh, I was looking forward to to this for quite some time since uh, the manga is just really awesome. Please go read the manga, uh, and I think that's really most of what I have to say about the anime is please go read the manga. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not bad. I can't say it's bad, but it I don't know like. As hyped as we were for this this adaptation for this really you know this awesome manga has been winning awards you know for the past you know couple of years, I really was hoping for something a little more competent, a little more flashy, I guess, and so far it's just been kind of average. 
It's mm-hmm. like I feel like like a build you want to put in. Yeah, just from what you've been talking about, it just kind of reminds me of remember when the new Berserk anime was announced. Oh yeah, and we were we were all hyped for that, and then it came out and the animation wasn't so good. It's kind of like that with Golden Kiwami. Yeah. I feel like with the work of this caliber, like you mentioned like Cutie Honey earlier, like the Cutie Honey should be like amazing. It should be as amazing in Devil May Cry Baby, but it just isn't. And I kind of feel like that's what I felt about uh, Golden Kamui is it's just, it deserves so much better than this. Uh, it, it's if you if you have to observe it in some way, definitely watch the anime anyway. But I would still recommend the manga for the most part. Uh, like the actual exit in the article, the characters, I mean, they're okay. Character designs are okay. The colors seem a little flat to me. Some of the, the, the background scenes are well drawn, but a lot of the action scenes just aren't as depicted as well as they were in the manga. And we can't not talk about the CG bears. <laughs> they're so bad. Uh, you know, I, I think the director went on record when the first episode came out saying that the reason they did that was that the animals, especially the, the bear, the wind kamui, was supposed to be demonic and otherworldly. So that CG effect, you know, it gives that appearance, which I can get, and I can get behind, you know, really interesting depictions, you know, being a fan of more surreal art styles and things like, you know, Yuasa, for instance. I can get behind really weird art, but it just doesn't look good. Like in the way that the 2D characters interact, uh, you know, Sugimoto punches the bear. It doesn't look like it actually connects. They look like they're just, <laughs> it's just, it looks like it's just a 2D picture put on top of a 3D model. Uh, there is one part where it's a close up of the bear's fur that looks pretty good, pretty competent. But anytime the bear is shown on screen, uh, they also do this with the fire, the, the campfires. It's like they just took this oh, basic man. Adobe Premiere, like a generic campfire. Put it on the, you know, on the in the in the animation. It looks so bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, it does, and it's, you know, it's it's definitely still watchable. I think Austin, you're watching it. Yeah, right? yeah. I was about to say like that campfire is like YouTube.com/slash green screen campfire. Yeah, it's <laughs> dot it's mp4. Like, and I, I I know you're more forgiving about it than I am, just because when you see the manga and see just how well things are depicted and see how intense this is. I think like one of the conventions I went to this past year, I just had bought the first volume of the manga. And by the, by the time the weekend was over, everybody in my hotel room had read the entire volume. Like it, it enraptured person after person. So Golden Comedy is so great. Please everyone go read the manga, go check it out. Uh, the anime is okay, I guess, but it definitely doesn't live up to what this series really deserves. And uh, you can get the manga digitally. Like it's on Comixology, it's on mm. Kindle. Yeah. So if you're a digital reader like me, you can find it. I think it's like seven, eight bucks, usually. Uh, yeah. As like of right, bucks. as of right now, it's on sale, but I'm not sure if the sale will be continuing um, whenever folks are listening to this. Um, but um, yeah, um, I f- I feel like I'm a little bit more forgiving of it um, because. Uh, I haven't read. I like. I own the first volume of the manga. I have. I've only read like a little bit of it, so really not enough to really absorb its, uh, you know, form and style and all that stuff. So whenever I just um, started watching the anime, I was 
I, I was more paying attention to the story because I hadn't consumed right. it yet. And I was so just interested in the story and interested in uh, Sugimo Sugi, uh, Sugimoto and Asirpa as characters that the animation didn't really bother me as much because I was more paying attention to other things. Like, I mean, clearly the bear doesn't look great, but I mean, I've seen a lot worse CG anime, and I, I think the Berserk comparison is a little bit appropriate in some instances, but it's really nothing like that. Like, like Berserk has this very sort of like high art, art style, very intricate, um, and then the anime series, like Bill points out a lot, looks like a PlayStation 3 game, um, and I really don't think Golden Kamui is that bad. It looks... It just looks like something that came out in like 2005. Like it looks like it should look a lot better. Yeah. L- luckily, there's no animals in episode two, and episode three just came out today. I haven't seen it yet, but I do agree that uh, like the basic story, the basic chemistry in Golden Kamui is still there. Uh, Sugimoto and Serper are both great characters. Uh, I think in episode two we just introduced to Shiraishi, uh, the best character in the entire series. I want to see you know, how they characterize him a little more as we go on. But yeah, I mean, if you've got to, if you've got to observe Golden Kamui in some way, if it's got to be the anime, then please do so. Just ignore the, the CG bear. But if you have the option to read the manga or the wherewithal, I would recommend that personally. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that it might just boil down to like some level of personal preference. Like, if you enjoy reading manga, just go ahead and read the manga. But if you yeah. are not a fan of reading manga, if you yeah. watch the anime, I mean, you're not going to miss that much. But it's still, it, like, reading the manga would be a much more, like, artistically pleasing experience. I, I mean, for sure. If you, yeah. All right. So I think it's all we have to say for Golden Kamui. Go, go, go get it. Go watch it. Go read it. Moving on into Kame Girls. Yeah, this is me. Uh, This is sort of in, like, me remaining in that sort of weird, like, well, not just me, but the the industry at large remaining in this sort of weird, like, new post-new game world where everyone wants to write about, like, or everyone wants to make shows about, uh, like, girls in working situations. And so uh, Comic Girls follows uh, four high schoolers named uh, Kaos-chan, uh, Subasa, Ryuki, and Koyumi. Uh, one is a, uh, they're all manga artists, but one is a, does four coma manga, one does shonen manga, one does shoujo manga, and one does hentai. Uh, so even though, like, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about the show just yet, uh, at its best, it's pretty heartfelt and, uh, decently funny. And at its worst, is extremely tropey and irritating. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I kind of want to keep watching it. Uh, three episodes are out thus far. Um, I don't have too, too much to say about this show, because I, I haven't seen enough of it yet. But it's been funny at points, and it's been sweet at points, but it's also been uh, irritating and fan service at some points. So, uh, you know, jury's still out on this one. 
it sounds like you're describing like a, a not as good version of new game. Yeah, I am. All right, I uh, think you pretty much someone watching that there. Uh, go watch new game. Yes, it's already there. <laughs> <laughs> go watch new game. It's already Please. completed and done. All right, uh, moving then on into Persona Five: The Animation. I have been uh, reviewing that for the site. Um, now, amongst the group here, how much of the group has played the, the Persona 5 game? I have. I have. Oh, uh, not I. Okay, so that means Tori and Sarah and uh, John, if you're listening, <laughs> can get very mad at me because I haven't finished the game. Oh, no. Yeah, um, when I was still in college, I was uh, playing it with a good friend of mine and my roommate, but I just never got around to finishing it and <laughs> or getting my own copy. Uh, I got up to Makoto's arc where she became uh, part of the Phantom mm-hmm. Thieves. Also, when it comes to spoilers for the game, uh, I, I'll keep it vague. From what I've played, but it's been over a year at this point, so don't get mad, listening audience. Um, so so far, from what I've watched, it's pretty faithful to the game. Like, it looks exactly like it is in the game, and they have the music from the game. Thank <laughs> God, uh, except for the opening song with the credits, which disappoints oh, me. Oh man, I love yeah, that. Yeah, they song. did change that. Yeah, I, really... I thought. I thought. Well, again, <laughs> life will change. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're banned. <laughs> um, overall, I if you have played the game, you've you're you know the anime because it's pretty much following the story beat for beat. I'm happy that they're doing some of the side stories with the characters, like um, oh. Uh, uh, the best friend, Tori. Ryuji, um, best boy. Ryuji. Yeah, Ryuji with his whole saga with the track team. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping since the show, I think, is going to be 24 episodes, they will be less focused on the battles and more on the character side stories, which will be good. My only complaint with the show at this point is um, the fight scenes have not been that great. <laughs> They've been done very... Just, oh yeah, we have to have a fight scene. Quickly, we'll just do a quick animation of the, um, the characters' moves from the game and then move on. Um, and so, and also, when they do their all-out attack, it's basically a, a similar version of the, uh, the game where you see everyone charge in and then it goes into that black-red thing where you see everyone's mm-hmm. um, facial expressions, which to me don't really work in anime. That just screams to me saving budget. <laughs> yeah. that I think that so far is like my biggest complaint about the show because it looks beautiful, it sounds beautiful, 
it's really weird to hear the pro tag talk so much and like also the name change thing has a lot of people pissed off it, myself included i'm sorry sorry <laughs> no it's it's fine um yeah but that happens that's happened in almost like every persona adaptation of the the main game so you should have seen it coming <laughs> um but yeah my biggest complaint is the art thing um and the weird like they'll do the they'll do the um oh what are they called um like in the game where they like cut into the screen and it's just their eyes going real intense yeah they're all out of tag yeah and um i do however like how they do the rewinding and they use that track and i love that like musical track so much but um yeah that's all i have to say it's just Good to be reunited with the Phantom Thieves because they're my best friends and I love them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, first off, Bill, I'm so glad that you get a way to like see the story because it gets really freaking good. Mm -hmm. um, I I do feel like the first episode was so like gorgeous and perfect that I knew something had to like fall apart at some point and it's still definitely a watchable thing but yeah the fight scenes are kind of lackluster at times i definitely agree with that um but yeah it's a fun story fun characters and i really like it and i can't wait to see how they do everything so how do you guys think that you know compared comparing this anime adaptation to the other persona animations like better worse different <laughs> the same what do you think i mean the persona 4 anime especially the dub is like a huge treasure in and of itself <laughs> i feel like that um, means it's bad <laughs> <laughs> um i don't want to say that but you know um i mean i i have high hopes like Persona 5, I mean, like, Persona 4 and, like, the ones before it were such a big deal, but I feel like now that Persona 5 is a thing, everyone has forgotten about all the other ones, so I'm hoping that they're going to make a strong anime adaptation and it won't be as, um, as the other ones. <laughs> mm -hmm. What do you think, Sarah? I actually haven't seen the Persona 4 anime. I played the game didn't see it i also haven't seen the persona 3 movies i've just played the games <laughs> they weirdly only have the second one up on uh on netflix and i don't think i typically you don't start a movie series with number two unless it's evil dead or mad max <laughs> <laughs> so i uh, okay yeah i was just wondering yeah i, I think what's gonna happen is i'm imagining that Anaplex of America is going to have this. Oh, God. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm predicting they're going to have the rights for this. So the positives are you're going to get the dub cast from the game that, to come back mm -hmm. because they're probably all based in California, uh, which Anaplex controls like a warlord. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so that'll be good, but you'll have to pay Anaplex pricing. And I guess my final point is. Man, I don't mind that they made the um, main character of an actual character that talks, because it'd be weird to be in first person. It wouldn't work. But man, that name is Generic 101. Uh, what is his name again? 
Oh. <sighs> for the for the anime is Ren Amamiya. Okay, gotcha. But in the game, like it's always been heavily suggested within the fandom as um, Akira Kurisu or something like that. So. Hmm. Kurusu. Yeah. Um, Akira comes from the manga, I think, too. Yeah. Because the, the game doesn't give you, like, a default name if you don't put a name in. It makes you put a name in. Mm-hmm. But the manga came out basically alongside of it, and his name is Akira Kurisu in it. Hmm. That's interesting that they would make that change. That's really weird. Well, it's happened before, so not quite mm-hmm. if you're within the Persona fandom. <laughs> gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep I'll keep watching it, and I'll be sad but happy when Anaplex eventually gets the original the voice cast from the English dub to mm-hmm. voice the anime. That'll be fun. Maybe one day I'll actually finish Persona Four and then play Persona Five. Ooh. I when think, I'm like fifty. Um, little side tangent, but um. When the first episode dropped, I had come home from work, just like every other time I watched something. And uh, my roommate, who's also really into Persona, she and I watched it together. And then another of our roommates came in, and we had to, like, in our best way, try to explain what Persona was about. (laughs) And so it was kind of just like, oh, in one, you shoot yourself in the head, and another one, you wear glasses and go through the TV and solve a murder. And then this one, you're a criminal. <laughs> so that was that was fun and interesting. And she was confused and then just went away. <laughs> Japanese high schoolers do wacky hijinks. Basically, yeah. Every anime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next series, I'm going to cover both uh, the Magical Girl series, uh, Magical Girl <laughs> Sight and Ore. Yeah, so I think I'm the only one watching Magical Girl's site, and that's probably for the best because I don't think anyone else in this group would be in any way interested. <laughs> um, so Magical Girl's site was based on a manga, um, and it is extremely violent and terrible, like from the get-go. Um, our main character is super bullied. Um, to the point where like her classmates regularly beat her up. They try to get like an older um, schoolmate to like assault her. They kill the cat that she's been taking care of under the bridge. It's Aww. it's really bad. Um, but in a way, it reminds me of like like Madoka and like Magical Girl Raising Project. Like if you took those two, put them together, and like went to the max um, because you have our like the main character she's kind of useless um, until she figures out what's going on and like why she's doing this Um, and then our second main character she can control time um, and kind of rewind it not not on the same like level as Homura but it's still there Um, I really want to keep up with it it has like a very interesting like 
um, idea going for it. Like all the magical girls get a different um, weapon and they're all able to do different things. Um, like our bullied girl, hers is a gun, like a really cute looking gun. And if she shoots people with it, um, based on her like subconscious thoughts, um, she transports that person. So the first time she does it, it's really, really awful. <laughs> um, but still really interesting. And speaking of subconscious thoughts, Andrew? That sounds horrible. <laughs> oh, it is absolutely horrific. And I imagine it's going to get much, much worse just based on the um, one episode or the two episodes, excuse me, that I have watched. Um, so they're trying to, on top of this, figure out who's killing all the other magical girls and stealing their weapons. And that is also super horrific. So I'm excited. I'm pleased. And if you like horror and violent things, you might want to check this out. Uh, hard pass. So, so I, <laughs> I feel like like with Madoka, it really opened the floodgates to like this super dark magical girl series. Absolutely. Not to say that Madoka was the first to like do the whole you know, deconstruction of the genre, but I feel like after then you had, you know, you mentioned uh, raising project and maybe I'm hallucinating, but I recall a magical girl apocalypse. Is that a thing? Yeah. Like, um, and actually now that I think about it, I do believe that this has something to do magical girl site. I do believe it has something to do with magical girl apocalypse. Okay. So how do you feel about like the genre just could, like it feels like every series is trying to one up the one before it and absolutely um my thing is it combines um two of the things I really really love and that is magical girls and horror so usually whenever these come out I'm all over them um some are better than others of course like I watched all of Magical Girl Raising Project in one go, and I was kind of very disappointed. It was very much a, oh, this is it. You killed off my favorite character. I don't care anymore. But I still watched it because I wanted to finish it. Um, but I, I love this kind of combination of, like, really cute things and, like, really dark and messed up things coming together to do, like, a, to make a really good story. Yikes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's my aesthetic. So what about the other Magical Girl show? Um, Magical Girl Ore. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I watched the first episode, and it's funny. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I just, I don't know. Maybe I need to watch more of it. I found, um, I found her outfit, like, in the beginning, like, before we know, before we know that she turns into, like, a big buff man. Um, to be really lackluster, but you know, this is me being the weirdo I am, and like all I watch is like Precure and Car Captors and Sailor Moon. So I'm used to these like really, really like grandiose magical girl outfits. Right. And like I see hers and I'm just like, hmm, okay. <laughs> um, 
But there was a moment within the first episode where they acknowledged um, they did like a black and white scene and only the main character and her little animal companion were in color. And they did this whole skit about like um, acknowledging the uh, this is a normal broadcast um, type thing. And they were like, oh, if we don't say this, people are going to call into the studio and they're going to complain and they're going to cancel our show. Um, and it was really funny because my little lizard brain immediately regressed to Star Wars and about how in the theater that I had gone to to see it, they had all these posters taped up in like the windows of the doors like, hey, um, there is an extended point of this movie where the audio cuts out. There's nothing wrong with our film. Don't come tell us about it. It was an artistic choice. <laughs> um, but... I don't know. I found it funny and I kind of feel that my luck would be the same if I contracted with the Yakuza to become a magical girl and I would also turn into a big buff man. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's funny. Will I keep up with it? I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah. I think this show requires a little bit more context to say what it's actually about. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, it's basically this, we've got our, our high school pro tag. Who's this girl who um, and her friend, who both want to be idol singers, but they're not very good. Um, <laughs> and then her friend's brother is part of this idol duo who's uh, very successful, very famous and whatnot. And then we learn later on that our main character's mother used to be a magical girl and her familiar shows up one day and you'd think, Oh, you know, I've seen Sailor Moon. I've seen Cardcaptor Sakura. You know, familiars are these cute little animal doodads (laughs) and whatnot. But her familiar is a guy who basically looks like he's from one of the Yakuza uh, games. He is, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he is her magical girl companion. And that in of itself is absolutely hilarious. And also the fact that instead of, you know, whenever she wakes up in the morning and she's late for school and she has to eat her breakfast on the go, she doesn't run out of the house with a, um, a piece of toast in her mouth. She runs out of the house with a full plate of deserted pancakes. And I just, that killed me. I died. Like, that, that just made me laugh so hard and like I don't I don't know I found this show really enjoyable really funny so I'm excited to watch more of it and like the whole gag with her her and her friend later on uh transforming into these really like uh buff dudes to be to fight as magical girls I don't know that just sounds humorous and and campy and silly to me so I'm looking forward to it and also the little animal companions turning into big buff dudes absolutely hilarious Uh, Andrew, do you want to butt in? Yes. Uh, Okay, so they're magical girls who also want to be idols, but they aren't very good, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Are they also descended from horses? They're not. (laughs) No. No, but apparently at least one of them is descended from another magical girl. Yeah. Thank you for clearing that up. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) so Clark, a question. When he when when she transformed into a big buff dude, does she have hooves? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Not. Great question. Next. <laughs> Sarah, did you want to butt in on that? Um, I mean, I think y'all covered it pretty well. I would definitely say, Tori, give the second episode a shot. Mm-hmm. Um because it you think that it's gonna go in one direction and then it goes in a completely different one. Okay. Um 
And that's definitely something this show tends to do a whole lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. Other than that, um, the voice actor who plays the older brother slash crush person is actually Toshiyuki Toyonaga, who won some Seiyu Award. And um, it's funny because he won like the most prestigious Seiyu Award or something. And then his character has like no lines. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, yes. That's hilarious. So the uh, the next anime we're going to talk about is a little bit of a cheating. Uh, it didn't come out this season. I think it was last season or the season before, but it did just get released on Netflix. You know how they like to slowly bring these things over. Uh, that would be Aggressive Retsuko, or as they call it, Aggressico. <laughs> uh, anybody seen this for me? Yes. Just a few episodes. Just just a little bit there. It's not very long. Uh, only 10 episodes, uh, what they've got so far. And they're each about 15 minutes long. So you can easily knock this out in one big, uh, one big sitting, uh, two preferably, I would imagine. But uh, I've actually really enjoyed this. I was afraid when the first little promo came out, you know, that it was going to be one, a one-note joke, uh, kind of like One Punch Man, I feel like. But my problem with One Punch Man is that joke got really old really fast. The mm-hmm. show didn't recognize this fact, but Aggressive Retsuko does, and Aggressive Retsuko goes further than just that one joke. Uh, they really get that out after the first like second, uh, maybe third episode, and focus on the characters and her office place. Just for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, it's about uh, this office young office lady, uh, Retsuko, who uh, you know she has all this frustration in her normal day to day life with these terrible coworkers. She lists it all out at night. And she goes to the karaoke bar. And belts out death metal. And it's a really nice juxtaposition between the Sanrio character, this very cute character design, and her death metal, uh, you know, uh, songs. So, yeah, they focus on more on, like, her actual life itself. Uh, Even though the story doesn't really require it, they are all animals, little cute little animal mascots. And I thought that was a nice way to uh, further sort of differentiate these characters and give them a little bit of extra characterization. Uh, without needing to rely on them being animals exactly. But yeah, uh, it's it's very short, very easy to watch. I would look forward to a second season. I don't know if it's actually planned or not, but uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, this is this is probably one of my favorite shows of, of this season, quote-unquote, because yeah. um, one, they really um, break down the frustrations of working in an office like you're going to always have the the boss that's too kind of who blows up too much smoke up their own uh, their own rear end there's always the prone person who seems to be perfect <laughs> that yeah. drives you insane and there's always going to be the suck up uh and just her having to deal with that frustration and her wanting to progress in her life and but still be a good employee. It's just I'm I'm really relating to it as as I'm entering entering the workforce and trying to find work. Um, it's it's just it's making it's giving me the feels a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna do an independent cast on that sometime in the future. But uh, for those of you who do have an Netflix account, I'm sure most of us by now have access to one. Definitely go check it out. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, real quick before we move into the next show, I got something that Sully wrote for us to sort of be his uh, little uh, uh, blurb for this uh, for this particular episode. So Sully writes, "Hello everyone. I'm busy with school and stuff, so I haven't had the chance to keep up that much with this season so far. That was also my excuse last season, but I am doing better, and I will be back next week. And my season reviews will be released consistently once I have free time again. If you are a Magical Girl fan like me." please try Magical Girl Ore, because it is a pretty clever satire of the genre. Also, please try check try and check out Gegege no Kitaro, because it has a great message going for it so far. Please continue to support everyone else at Third Impact Anime, and I will be joining them again soon. Arigato, Soli-chan. <laughs> cool. we, can, uh, we, can, we can cut that into before I got to go, if that probably works. That'll work. Okay. Do we then want to just go ahead and segue into Kitaro? Sure, let's do Kitaro. So um, I guess I'll I'll head this one up, but uh, Tori also has a lot to contribute here too because um, you've seen some of the old Kitaro, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so basically, the setup for Kitaro is that it's based on this uh, very old uh, manga from the '60s, uh, very famous. It's basically um, the way Sully described it whenever he uh, was talking to me about it. He said it was like the Japanese version of the Charles Adams, like Adams Family comics. Um, and it sort of has that sort of idea of like this like playful spookiness about it. Um, but um, it basically follows this kid named Kitaro, who is like a spirit detective, uh, not too unlike um, Yusuke Urameshi from Yu Hakusho, even though that series is way more like shown in action and whatnot than Kitaro is. Uh, Kitaro um, sort of deals with like mysteries and weird goings-on related to yokai, which are Japanese spirits, if you're not familiar with the term. And um, it's kind of spooky, it's kind of kooky, and all that stuff. And uh, the first episode of the new series deals with a lot of, like, problems related to, like, uh, people being disconnected from the world and disconnected from each other, like, in the real world, in the real, like, in real life because of, like, social media and stuff like that. Um, but it doesn't really come off as necessarily like a ham-fisted, like, technology is bad and you should destroy your phone kind of thing. It It's pretty sincere and has some interesting uh, jabs and interesting things to say. And it has a really great, like, obvious Logan Paul joke. And I find <laughs> I found that really funny. <laughs> and, um, like, uh, all the characters in it are pretty entertaining. And the animation is really good, which is a lot to say for uh, for Toei animation because they're not necessarily known these days for being, like, stellar animators and whatnot. But um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It reminded me of, like, Mob Psycho 100, but a little bit less, um, like, neurotic, I suppose. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, Tori, what did you think about Kitaro? Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I read the manga forever ago, and I've seen a few episodes here and there of the original anime. Um, cause it did run for quite a while. Um, and there were like a ton of episodes and I am not exaggerating. 
when I say there are a ton of episodes. But, um, like, I appreciate Kitaro a lot. If you find the cultural aspect of Japanese horror more exciting than straight up just, like, violence and gore and chaos, um, I think this is a good kind of compromise because um, it very much focuses on, like, folklore monsters, which, you know, are what yokai are. Um, and I think that's exciting because we don't really have too many things that showcase those. Um, and it's definitely worth checking out in some format, whether you go back and read the manga or you go back and you watch the really old episodes. Um, but I think, I think it's a good adaptation, um, for the new age. Um, like you said, as soon as I saw that thing with the vlogger, I was like, oh, look at there, a hot take on Logan Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that, and then like the social commentary behind the fact of like no one was stopping to help. They were literally just like whipping their cell phones out and um, taking pictures. And I think that's a huge problem, like not just in like Japanese society, but in society as a whole. Like, you know, you see videos all the time online of people like not breaking up fights and like, you know, egging them on and taking the videos for YouTube or like whatever site they're gonna post them on later. Um, especially like horrific like accidents and stuff. Um, also, how many times have I said horrific in this podcast? I just I, I don't know, but um, yeah, the fact that somebody would rather rather whip out their cell phone and record somebody you know about to jump in front of a train rather than like pull them back and try to save them, I think is very telling and um, a commentary and conversation we need to have. Oh, yeah. um, so it's good. Check it out. Literally every time a yokai pops on screen, I'm like, oh, it's adorable. <laughs> they are pretty cute. That's for they sure. They are. And I'm a weirdo. Like, I find things that should not be cute, cute. Um, so I don't know. It's very, like, this is a very appealing show to me. Um, it looks fantastic. It's creepy, but not, like, super scary. Um, and if you like those kinds of things, you should watch it. All right. I think that's a pretty good segue, actually, into the next series I want to talk about with the, you know, the cell phones and this new modern uh, you know, paradigm of people just ignoring the world around them. It's something that you mentioned in the first couple of episodes of Lupin the Third, the Fifth, Part Five? Part Five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I'm the only one that's watching Lupin Part 5 at the moment? Nope, I'm watching it too. Okay, cool. So, as as everyone knows, I beat the drum for the Lupin the Third franchise pretty hard. And so I was excited that just after Part 4, that was just recently, two years ago, we got Part 5. Um, the interesting thing about Part 5, that it's that's kind of a new horizon for Lupin is it's set in modern times and when I say that they're talking about cryptocurrency they're talking about websites like Silk Road Um, they're using more modern technology uh, which is a bit strange because Lupin has always had this timeless quality 
And the other thing that's a bit weird with this one is there's this ongoing story arc so far, whereas most Lupin series are very standalone, especially uh, part two and part one uh, and part three. Um, So that's a little hard to get used to, but they're kind of like little vignettes that lead on to the next thing. Um, And I've been in, they pretty much have the characters nailed down. And if you've watched um, part four, it has very similar art style. So overall, I've been enjoying it. Um, I just wish Fujiko would appear more because it's getting kind of annoying on that front. (laughs) Fujiko has shorter hair now, and it seems like her character design is a little bit different than part four, and I kind of like it a little bit better. Mm. At least personally. But Austin, what do you think of their kind of using more modern references and they're using kind of an ongoing storyline with, um, if you haven't been watching it, Lupin steals this large amount of cryptocurrency from a Silk Road type website called Marco Polo. And ever since he's done that, uh, he and the Lupin gang of Jigen and Goemon and uh, this new girl, Ami, who helped set up the payment system for Marco Polo, have been dealing with uh, being stalked by the entire world with this uh, game called the Lupin Game, and then this new kind of a uh, battle royale type scenario with a bunch of assassins. So, what is your take on this kind of new continuity storyline and this new kind of take with modern technology? Awesome. Well, my um, my thoughts on the continuity storyline is that they're probably going to do something very similar to what they did in Part 4, where they're going to dedicate a large portion of the series to telling this like one story arc, and then they'll probably move on to something different, or move on to other like sort of vignette-style episodes like, like in the previous series, because this is slated for another 24 episodes, and I guess it's possible for them to take the whole, like, Silk Road, Marco Polo, Assassins, like, Ami thing and stretch it out for the entire length of the series, but I, I'm not 100% sure that they're going to do that. I really probably think that they won't do that, um, but I could be wrong. Um, but in terms of, like, the new angle to it, I think it's really smart and innovative to try and do that. Because they're taking this character that's been around since the 60s, and they're really sort of stretching the limits of where, like, where can we put these characters? What can they have them? What can we have them do? And how are they going to get themselves out of it? And I think it's a really creatively uh, good creative exercise for the team working on this series to sort of put them into situations that they've never been in before, and just see how they, you know, cleverly weasel them way, their way out of it. And I think that that's the kind of the charm of Lupin is like him getting into um, like crazy situations and then figuring out how to escape and just seeing him do that with like weird internet stuff is just, it's cool and refreshing and fun. So I like it a lot. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the same mind where they pretty much have been using the technology, the new modern technology really well. The reason why I think there's going to be an ongoing storyline is because in the past, like in part four, those ongoing storylines have been maybe at max three episodes. So I think uh, if it goes past five, 
then I, I think this is going to be a one continuing storyline. Probably. Uh, so, but we'll, we'll see. Um, and overall, it's, if you haven't watched any of the Lupin series before, um, you could easily jump into this one. Either, there's no real continuity you need to know. Uh, if you like comedy, action, and a kind of Ocean's Eleven vibe, then I highly recommend the series. Plus, Looney Tunes-style physics. <laughs> because of some of the absurd things that Lupin and crew are able to get out of, like stopping a whirling fan with his body. No problem, where he doesn't get hurt. <laughs> it's totally fine. Lupin is invincible. <laughs> yep. <laughs> cool. Sarah, did you have a question? Yeah. Um, so you can jump in with part five, but personally, what do you think someone new to Lupin should like start with? Like, What's the very first best thing they should go for if they want that true Lupin experience? Um, there's, I would argue there's two sides to Lupin, where there's the more dark tone that was more in line with the manga. If you want a more kind of dark, mature tone, I would highly recommend watching a the woman called Fujike, Fujiko Mine spinoff, which uh, you can watch on Verve. Uh, and that's only 13 episodes. It's got a really beautiful watercolor art style and has a really um, fun uh, back and forth. If you want more of a uh, lighter tone, then I would highly recommend watching the Castro, which is notable because that's Hayao Miyazaki's first directorial debut as a filmmaker, which is awesome. a very fun fun story as well. So if you're taking that route, Bill, and you're going from Castle Cagliostro, like how would you how would you continue from there? Would you say just keep watching from part one, which is now on all on Crunchyroll, or would you say skip to I think it's part four is the more neat the newer one? I would say because part the first three parts can be very dated with the references and animation mm -hmm. uh, quality, I would just skip to uh, part four and just watch all of part four uh, and part five. That's what I would do. I, I will confess, though, personally, I've seen most of part four, but I haven't finished it, and I just started part five. Um, just because, and I wasn't lost at all, so... Oh, yeah, yeah. there's... Sorry, I should clarify. When they do the parts, they're not connected at all. It's not one continuing saga, like a One Piece or a Bleach. So yeah. if you if you want to, you could watch Kegliester and then go to straight into part five with no problem. Yeah, it sounds like these characters are just sort of iconic in their own way, so you don't really need to care so much about a narrative. Yeah, there's no overarching narrative except for Zenigata wants to capture Lupin at all costs no matter what. <laughs> Lupin steals things with his friends. The end. <laughs> Go after the fun MacGuffin. <laughs> Alright, so uh, wrapping up there with Lupin, let's go into the the, uh, the next series. And you know, after Fate, I thought we were kind of done with historical based series. I had no clue we were going to get an adaptation of a Roman emperor. But <laughs> I, I guess that's what Caligula is about. Or someone want to prove me wrong?
I think I'm the only one watching the show in the group as well. Um, and that's probably because this is going to turn out to be another violent uh, show where people die <laughs> pretty frequently. Um, this kind of like got my attention when I was reading through like the descriptions of every show for the season. Um, just because it felt a little different and stood out to me. Um, but the general plot is uh, there is this kind of like virtual idol almost like Hatsune Miku and um she becomes like sentient somehow um I'm not sure the whole like dynamics and formula of the show quite yet um and all of these songs that people upload to her um she takes and understands and thinks that humanity needs to be like wiped out and started anew because they're all sad all the time um so it seems like if you submit a song or something like that you become part of the program and she's able to like mind control you or something i i don't know it's really wild i still don't understand it i've only seen the first episode um i think the character designs are really really nice they stand out really well nobody feels like a question I've seen, or excuse me, a character that I've seen before. And speaking of questions, yes, Bill. <laughs> um, the way you're describing the main character, it sounds like Lelouch from Code Geass. Um, sort of, but she's not actually the main character. So there's that. But yeah, her power, I think, works really similar to Lelouch. So I can see that comparison for sure. Um... I'm really hoping it's not going to be one of those, like, too deep for me kind of thing. It's kind of seeming like that, because the main character, he um, is, like, super into psychology and, like, reading all these books that are, like, you know, more than what the average person would go into a library or bookstore and pick up and read. Um, there's a dog, so if that's really important, there's a cute dog in the show. <laughs> um, oh, far, I think. Um, there's a lot of weird distortion in the shots. Um, there's some, also some, like, really cool detailed shots. Um, they zoom in on the main character's eye at one point, and you can see, like, the reflection of what he's looking at. You can see all the, like, blood vessels in his eye, and it's just, like, really cool and hyper-detailed. So I'm hoping they'll stick with that in the later episodes. Who's making it? it? State Flight. Okay. I've heard of them. Um, they worked on Fairy Tale, Helsing Ultimate, um, Shugakara, Macross F. Hmm. Um, yeah, so they've actually done a lot of notable things. Uh, okay. Mostly Fairy Tale, Shugakara. They also did AKB 0048. They sure did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, they've got a a lot of notable titles under their belt, um, especially with Macross and everything else. Um, the music really stands out, and that makes sense for it to be, you know, an, like, quote-unquote idol show, but it's not really. There's just an idol character. And it's, it goes from zero to 100 really quick. Um, like, people get turned into... Uh, weird crystal monsters and they end up killing people and um, the other notable thing that stuck out to me was when it ends there's like these funny 
um, almost four coma. The art looks like pop team epic somewhat. Um, little skits at the end that explain what's going to happen in the next episode. And that just really caught me off guard because it's so tonally different from everything else that happened. <laughs> um, what? Yeah. So I'm like super interested to see where this goes. Um, but it's definitely one of those shows that you want to be paying attention to. You just don't want to turn it on in the background for noise. So mm. we'll see. I, I really hope this, this is not one of those shows that is just like, oh my gosh, we've got this fascinating premise and it's so neat and there's all this intrigue and then the show actually plays out and it's like a complete like fest. Yeah, I'm really hoping so because there's, there's been many a show that I have picked up um, just like that and it's a bummer, especially when it starts out really strong. So Yeah, but um, I think Tobias actually dropped out and he, um, uh, yeah, his, uh, unfortunately, his power went out, which is kind of sucky. So we're going to go ahead and move along. So uh, unfortunately, Tobias might not be able to join us back, but we'll, uh, we'll see him in the next one. Say a prayer to Hatsune Miku, and maybe Tobias will return. <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> All right, so we'll give Tori a break for a second, and we will hand it over to Sarah to talk about uh, the most recent iteration of the in the Sword Art Online franchise uh sword art online alternative gun gale online sarah (laughs) tell us about this and why the heck we should care or why the heck we shouldn't well um it's about a girl named Len, who is playing Gun Gale Online. I think it happened shortly after the events of the second season. Um, but I can sum this up really quickly for you. If you're not an SAO fan, it's probably not your stick. And if you are, if you liked Sword Art Online in any capacity, even just a little bit sometimes, even just to like make fun of it, then definitely give it a shot. Um, it does something interesting in the first couple episodes with its main character where she's sort of insecure starting college, trying to like figure herself out and have an actual social life. And she gets that through games. And I feel like I can relate to that. And that's really fun. But um, it can be pretty clunky in a lot of the things it's trying to do. Um, the animation is mostly pretty good because, of course, they got budget by now. But it's not anything, like, really gung-ho, innovative, crazy in the fights. Um, But yeah, I mean, does anybody else have any opinions on it? I mean, I don't think anybody else has watched it. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. No. No. I haven't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, So I guess my question is, something that stands out to me personally, and that always stood out to me personally about Sword Art Online is the fantastic Yuki Kajura soundtrack. Um, but it seems like Yuki Kajura is going through like a weird transition right now because she's like left her talent agency or something. And like Califina is falling apart, which honestly breaks my heart, even though they're probably going to keep doing more music in in other ways. But uh, like, are they just reusing the same like SAO themes, like in the soundtrack or is it like a brand new music or does the music stand out in any way or. I mean, I haven't really picked up on that. I do know um, one main thing is that the main character is really into this one performer 
Um, and the song that keeps playing that's by her uh, is actually voiced by Yoko Higasa, who does um, Mio from K-On! and like a whole bunch of other things. Nice. So like that song's really nice. But and hey, it's still got an air Aoi opening like every hey. other Sword Art Online show. So there's that. But I mean, the soundtrack hasn't really stood out to me in any way. I haven't really mm-hmm. like paid attention to it enough, which maybe means that it's not the same. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you you said that this show would probably appeal to people that enjoyed Sword Art Online already. But like, do you think it has anything to to like sort of you know, real in people that are kind of salty about sword art? Like, does it have anything new or different or interesting that it brings up? Um, I mean, overall, so far, the way that it treats its female characters is a lot better than Sword Art Online. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Um, yeah, so there's that. Um, it's, uh, I mean, so far, it's just a whole lot of exposition stuff just getting thrown at you. And it's not really, like, nothing's sticking for mm. me. Mm. So it's not extraordinary, but it's like worth a shot. But Tori, you got anything? Yes. Is seen on there in any capacity at all whatsoever? Um, okay, so they mention like her and they mention her and Kirito teaming up and stuff. And one character is like, oh, yeah, one time I got killed by this really good sniper. And you're just like, hmm, who was that really good sniper? But okay. I don't so far not. But I will let you know if she ever does. Perfect. Because that's the only way I'm going to be interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems like more like a, a a wink and a nod rather than like her actually being there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, any other questions for Sarah about Sal? going to take a lot to get me reinterested in that show. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> All right, so back to you Tori. Uh you uh are watching the most recent season in the Tokyo Ghoul franchise. So tell us a little bit about Tokyo Ghoul Re. <laughs> So Tokyo Ghoul Re follows the second, uh, or the sequel rather, of the Tokyo Ghoul manga. Um, And it picks up basically not too long after the original story, um, where everything has kind of like gone to hell. um, And they're trying to figure it out. And then we have this new guy. And there's this whole like, is this Kaneki? Is it not? Who is he? Um, I enjoyed it very much, and it's actually the first show that I, um, picked up to do this podcast, um, because, like I had said before, I had very much been in burnout, and I have not watched anything in I don't know how long that wasn't the Camping Girls, and that's about it, actually. Camping Um, Girls are good. Camping Girls were good. Um, they brought me out of my burnout. (laughs) Um, 
and Tokyo Ghoul brought me brought me out of my burnout. But um, it's very very action packed from the get go. Um, they really don't like ease you into it. It's basically like here's what's going on, here's what's happening, deal with it. Um, but I feel like I feel like the first like quote unquote plot twist you find out um, is given to you a little too easily. Whereas in the manga, it was very much a, is this what's going on? Perhaps, but we're not going to confirm or deny. And then like 20 chapters later, oh yeah, this is what's happening. Good for you if you figured it out. Um, And they just, they hint at it way too heavily. And um, I don't want to, I don't want to um, give too much away just in case um, there's some people out there that haven't read it and they're interested. Um, But that kind of, deterred me a little bit I guess from liking it as much as I could have um but it's promising so far it follows um everything that I have read of that particular manga so far and um I'm interested to see what they're gonna do with the um questionable parts that everybody got you know real pissed off about when they released but um they're gonna do it anyway and not give a heck yeah absolutely and like I had this whole conversation with you the other day um it it made sense there's a lot of reasons contextually that that whole scenario happening made sense so it is what it is and i will continue to support um ishida and whatever he does because i really love how he tells the story i love how he um gives us you know beautiful beautiful metaphors and uh, subtext and you know and foreshadowing where things will happen now and I think back and I'm like oh yeah okay um but I still suppress all my memories of route a um <laughs> and that's just how it's gonna be <laughs> yeah that was my big question because like obviously people that haven't read the manga are going to see Tokyo Ghoul Re as a sequel to route a and it is not it absolutely is not this is a but- from what I can tell it's just going to be a direct adaptation of the re-manga. That, that's such a strange way to do it, though, because mm-hmm. you'd think that if Ishida wanted but... to, you know, go in a different direction and make Route A, that he would keep his anime yes. version in this new vision world. Okay, so the thing is, Route A was supposed to be, like, a what-if scenario, because um, in the anime... Uh, Kaneki joined Algiri, which was that one group, but in the manga, he kind of formulated his own thing. Um, so I think that's why they're not going off of what happened in Route A, because it was a big, giant, like, what if we went this way instead? Um, and I'm not 100% sure if that was all Ishida's doing or not. Um, I'm still trying to find, like... A bunch of I'm still trying to find more information on that basically but um it's I all think, good I, I, I think he did I think it was his doing um, yeah that the only thing that just messes that up for me and I think that would mess that up for other people you know going into Rude it's just like well, what if you're a person that has never read the manga and probably won't read the manga and you go from season one to root A and then to re, like, are these people going to be like absolutely lost and be like, this series makes no sense? Because, you know, in, in my personal opinion, 
Um, I think that an anime needs to stand apart from its manga. It needs to be its own thing. Like, Absolutely, you yeah. You can't expect your fan base to, like, you know, jump back and forth between media mediums just, like, willy-nilly just because you um, have structured these things in such a weird way. Um, so, I don't know. That seems like it would be really difficult for fans to be, like, to make sense out of that. Oh, absolutely. And it's kind of a kind of a weird scenario. I don't know why they just didn't do Route A as a manga, like a one-shot manga, to be quite honest with you. But Yeah, that like, probably would have made a lot more sense. Right. And my thing is, I think they, kind of like Attack on Titan, they didn't expect it, maybe, to be as successful. So they were like, okay, this is what we're going to do, and this is as good as it's going to be. And then it was like, just kidding. Uh, Re ended up selling very, very well and has been on like the bestseller list for quite a while. So we're going to adapt that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird that they didn't catch on because I, at least what I remember correctly, and you guys were all there, like Tokyo Ghoul, whenever it first came out, the first season, like it mm-hmm. caught on like wildfire. Like it was pretty dang popular almost. Right. right. So I don't know. It sounds weird. Does anybody else have any thoughts on that? It sounds to me like Tokyo Ghoul was a franchise that was really hot in its first season, and ever since then it's been sputtering its wheels. Where Definitely. it's kind of, it's kind of like uh, I know people don't know producers, but it's kind of like a Ryan Murphy show. He's the guy who does American Horror Story, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he did Glee and uh, a bunch of other shows. Uh, where basically he always seems to have a good first season, but then he doesn't seem to have a direction of where they want to go. And that's kind of based on what you're talking about, Tori, that kind mm-hmm. of sounds what, where Tokyo Ghoul is at as a franchise at the moment. Yeah, for sure. Maybe that would apply just to the anime, because it seems like from what you said of the manga, that doesn't really have that problem. Mm-mm, no, and the, um, the spinoff stories for the manga are more like, hey, this is what happened before the main story was happening, or this is what is happening on the side of the main story happening. So they fit into the the timeline fine. So, Cool. Mm -hmm. All right, unless you guys have anything else about Tokyo Ghoul, we'll move on to the last two shows. All good. All right, well, we'll let Sarah go first with the one show that only she has seen, and then we'll wrap up with the ones with the uh, series that both Tori and Sarah are watching. So, Sarah, tell us about this title that I'm going to butcher, Libra of Nil Admirari. Is that right? Sure. <laughs> Close enough. It's a lot. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I'll take um, it. Yeah. Uh, hi, welcome back to shows that only Sarah watches. Um, <laughs> so this is one that I actually only just watched yesterday, but it's so good. I felt like I should talk about it. Um, it's basically about uh, this girl in the, I want to say Taisho, I don't know, um, like 1930s in Japan. And she has a run-in with a cursed book and her brother trying to commit suicide from it. And after that, she can, like, see tomes that are cursed. And it oh. sounds a little cliche, but it's, like, pretty good. 
And then all of a sudden, this whole entire harem of guys just comes over and is like, hey, we want you to work with our organization. Ba-bam. Done. Um, (laughs) So I mostly wanted to talk about this show because the opening for it is completely ridiculous. It's basically like presented as like a host club kind of thing. Like you could play Kiss Kiss Fall in Love behind it and it would like make perfect sense with it basically. Uh. (laughs) Except the song itself is also really good. But um, so that was actually what got me interested in this show because that's who I am as a person. Um, (laughs) And but then you watch the show and it's like, oh my gosh, all these suicides are happening. Oh my gosh, that dude just jumped in front of a train and it's insane. Um, also the general, like, sound design of it is really, really good. It's, like, sometimes in anime, the sound design is, like, good, but they're mostly just focusing on the soundtrack and the voice acting and stuff. And in this, the folly is just, it really stands out to me, like, all the footsteps and the clocks ticking and... There's birds chirping outside, but it's not like aggressive bird chirping or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely darker than what I expected going into it, given that all I knew from it was the opening. Um, And... Yeah, it can be a little bit predictable, but it just kind of is what it is at the end of the day, in many instances. Um, Also, aesthetically, it's just really pretty. There's a lot of details in, like, the clothing and the hair and the way it's all done. And then, um, because it's set in the 1930s, I guess they decided to put this whole, like, sepia sort of tone over it without it being too Mm. aggressive. Um, And it's sort of interesting in that way. But... Well, I guess my one worry with what you're describing, because it seems to me like it's constantly trying to one-up itself, and it's going at a really fast pace, where that type of show kind of reminds me of Future Diaries from a few seasons back, where after a while, because it was going at such an intense pace, I just kind of uh, got kind of like, okay, I get it. You need to slow down a bit. So hopefully that's not the case with the show where it just doesn't know when to slow down. Um, I mean, it's hard to tell at this point. It's definitely like it has its intense moments, but then there's always like cute little breaks in between the crazy mm. like people trying to prevent suicides by like capturing random glowing books that this chick can <laughs> see. Um, but I mean, ultimately. I don't know. We'll just have to see what happens. Uh, They sort of introduced this like ulterior secret evil organization that goes against the organization the the organization that she's working for and like um organization thirteen part two. Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of like suddenly going in five different directions, and I'm just like, I just signed on for a weird murder mystery thing with cute guys, but this is fine too, I guess. But yeah, that's pretty much that's Libra of Nil. Wow, yeah, I really can't say that either. Nil Admirari? Sure. Is that on Crunchyroll too? Yes, that is on Crunchyroll this season. Cool. I think most everything that we've been talking about is on Crunchyroll, except for I know that Cutie Honey Universe is not. 
and it's on high dive. Right, it's on high dive. And is uh, Wotakoi also on high dive? Amazon Wotakoi is yeah on Amazon Prime. Gotcha. And, and so is that. No, oh, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Oh, Magical Girl State is an Amazon exclusive too. Unfortunately. Gotcha. And but it, but hey, you know, you know, at least we don't have to worry about anime strike anymore. <laughs> and aggressive Ritsuko is on Netflix. Oh, that's mm-hmm. true. But um, to wrap it up, because I think that you know, out of respect for Tobias, we're gonna save um Megalobox and talk about that uh, in a podcast unto itself, probably after it wraps up. But we, some of us, are watching that, and we're very excited about it. Uh, the last show we're gonna talk about, because I know you guys are probably exhausted listening to us, and we're exhausted talking to each other because we're all <laughs> annoying jerks that can't stand each other. Let's uh, wrap it up with Wotakoi. Tell us something about that, uh, Tori and or Sarah, whichever um, one would like to go first. I'll let Sarah give the plot because I have talked so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, same. Um, <laughs> so the plot of Wotakoi is essentially uh, Narumi is starting a new job, new place, and is a total otaku, but doesn't want anybody at her workplace to really know it. But this only lasts her about, like, five minutes, and then she suddenly passes her high school friend, and he's like, oh, hey, are you still into, like, that anime junk? And everything just kind of goes downhill from there. (laughs) But, well, but not necessarily, because she reconnects with this dude from middle school, and it turns into this really nice romantic comedy overall. This is going to sound very uh, contradictory to what I said earlier, but I specifically, like was seeking out shows that were kind of, like, lighthearted and fun just to kind of, like... Mm. Yeah, exactly. What did I just say? (laughs) To kind of just, like, prevent myself from, like, starting all these shows and being, like, just kidding. Um, So I love a good shoujo, like, romance show here and there. And um, I got excited over this one because it just seemed like it would be really funny and then I started watching it and I laughed a lot more than I expected to um the references are really fun the whole extended scene where they have a um argument over who the best Evangelion girl is and um (laughs) it's Misato done uh well <laughs> um the character i really like is a mari fa- or no excuse me a oscar fan girl and i was just like i knew i liked you for a reason <laughs> um and then otaku love interest he is a fan of unit one <laughs> uh, <laughs> unit yeah. one best girl <laughs> i know yeah um so that was really fun there's just a lot of fun anime references like there was the gendo pose and then there was like the menacing jojo uh thing and um the otaku love interest he sits at his desk playing monster hunter on his lunch breaks <laughs> oh my gosh and um i i like it because they're all various forms of like nerds like her the lady that was training her turns out to be a uh cosplayer that she's a really big fan of who usually cosplays male characters and then 
Um, our main girl is into Yaoi, which, um, okay. <laughs> um, I have a lot of issues for that for other reasons, but that would be a good podcast for another time. Um, and the guy she's into, um, he is a video game buff. Um, and then their other coworker, I don't think it's really revealed a whole lot. Um, or quite yet about what he's into other than we know he likes Evangelion and uh, cute girls. So don't we all? Um, (laughs) But I think it's going to be really promising. So I am a big fan of like cute, funny shoujo romance shows. So um, this sounds like the great alternative for people who want to watch uh, recovery of an MMO junkie, but don't want to support an unintentional not or don't want to unintentionally support a Nazi. Oof. Oh yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. Jeez, <laughs> MMO right? junkie was so good though. Uh yeah yeah, but there's always the manga. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Um. It was a good show. Hey, yeah. Yeah. This director, actually, speaking of directors, um, the director for Wotakoi is Yoshimasa Hiraike. And he actually also did Working, the first season of Working. Oh. And that just, yeah, made so I much. I can see that. Up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's definitely done workplace comedy before, and he's still going hard at it, doing well. Um, cool, cool. Uh, so for people who don't really know about MMO Junkie, Austin, you want to cover that? I think a lot of people, especially if they're in the anime fandom, probably know about it, but basically the director of MMO Junkie was uh, discovered to be liking a whole bunch of, like, uh, anti-Semitic tweets on Twitter and um, had made posts about, like, very, very, very racist, very um, just generally terrible things like uh, Holocaust denial and Hitler apology and stuff like that. So just generally detestable, you know, garbage. Um, And it's unfortunate that he worked on a show that was so, like, um, well enjoyed um, a few seasons ago. But um, I don't want to talk too much about that because it's depressing. And we're already (laughs) at the end of the podcast. And I just really appreciate all of you guys for coming on the show and talking about all these excellent uh you know anime that you guys are watching there's a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things out this season a lot of very different things a lot of uh reboots of old stuff and um there's a lot to there's a lot to check out and uh we really appreciate everybody who stuck around and listened to this monster of an episode because i know it's probably clocking in at you know over two hours at this point so thank you guys you guys are awesome thanks for listening and uh sarah you had something you wanted to add Nope, I'm good. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sarah. We really appreciate it. And <laughs> and uh, we uh, it's been great to have you on the first uh, your first episode for the podcast. You had a lot of cool things to say. So uh, thanks for being on the show. And we hope for you to, you know, be on a lot more often and talking about cool anime stuff. Yeah, I was thrown through the ringer in my first ever podcast. This was insane. But I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to do more in the future. They are not typically this long, so you can look <laughs> forward to that. That's for sure. Um, and Tori, thanks again. It's great to have you back, because I know you haven't been on here to talk about anime crap in quite a long time. So it's great to have you back. Yep. 
<laughs> and uh, as always, because uh, you guys have been on more recently, thank you again, Bill. Thanks for being here. And uh, thank you, Andrew, both of you guys. Uh, you always have good things to say. And thanks to Tobias, uh, even though he's gone because his power went out. May he rest in peace. Yeah, which I'm sure he's fuming about, but we're kind of, uh, I'm at least having a, a small little giggle over it, even though I shouldn't laugh. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll, pour, we'll pour out a ramen for Tobias. Yes. <laughs> we're in the podcast midnight oil. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this has been an episode of Third Impact Anime. And if you guys want to know more about what we do in our podcasts and panels and articles and all that stuff, uh, you can find out more information about us at our website, which is thirdimpactanime.wordpress.com. And also feel free to follow us on Twitter at ti underscore anime. And we post uh, updates about our articles and uh, conventions we're going to and podcasts we're doing stuff about. And that's where you can submit all your questions for our episodes the most easily. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash third impact anime and our podcast. You're listening to it somehow, but uh, it's on Stitcher, Google play, uh, iTunes, Podbean, all that stuff. It's on YouTube as well. Um, so I guess we'll run the rounds. Bill, where can people talk to you about anime on the internet? Uh, you can talk to me on Twitter at uh, WBForman999 on Twitter. And I frequently write on the website www.clearedimpact.wordpress.com. <laughs> Backslash Bill Foreman. Yeah, yes, where I've been writing weekly reviews for uh, Lupin, Persona 5, and in the near future, I will be, there's going to be an episode and a general view of the new Legend of the Galactic Heroes series that's going on currently that'll probably pop up in the feed very soon. Yes, you're going to do an episode on that, and like I said earlier, an episode on Megalobox is coming. We just want to dedicate some more time to it. But Andrew, where can people talk to you about anime and golfing on the internet? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can talk to me on, on Twitter, at Toaster underscore Mike. Uh, I tweet about anime sometimes, mostly, uh, mostly being mad about stuff, you know, and a lot of sports, so Sully... Tells a fun story that uh, as soon as he followed me on Twitter, immediately like three sports Twitters were recommended to him, and, uh, <laughs> and so he 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 now resents me for that. So that's uh, that's one thing. So uh, sports. If you want to follow me, sure. I write for the website too. I'm here. And Tori, where can people scream to you about spooky things on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at worstwaifu. And I am, like, almost always on Twitter, screaming into the void. So if you would like to at me and scream with me, feel free. Especially if it's Disney-related. Yeah. Disney is Tori's favorite anime. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Sarah? Where can people scream about idols with you? Um, please scream about idols with me. I'm UniqueXHarmony on Twitter.com. And I'm also writing a couple of things for Third Impact Anime. So, yay. yay. All right, folks. Well, it has been a night, and uh, we will see you in the next episode. So have a super-duper day. Mm -hmm.